2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Catfish Corner, where we don't talk a lot about catfish, but we talk a lot about hockey. And we have a new regular. Hopefully, we'll be a regular. Anna Gallegos is going to join us on the on the podcast uh, regularly. And uh, Anna, say hello. Hey, y'all. Anna's a Anna actually knows something about hockey, which is going to be different on this <laughs> podcast because um, a lot of times you can accuse us of not knowing anything. So she's going to school us all. I think no pressure. But uh, Anna, can you tell us a little about yourself?
1: So I'm actually a digital producer here at the Tennessean, kind of a person in the background. But um, once upon a time ago, I used to cover the AHL uh, when... Houston used to have the arrows, which unfortunately they don't have anymore. And I also once wrote for um, Sports Illustrated when I was in graduate school. So, wow, a impressive bit resume! Look at you, hockey writing background there,
2: and probably knows more about hockey than anybody in this building. Um, so <laughs> that's why we have her here. So we're gonna we're gonna t- go over a few topics today. Um, we are had on today's Thursday we're recording. this on a Thursday where the uh, Predators are gonna play the Islanders tonight at Bridgestone. Had a chance to talk to Barry Trotz. We'll get to the, that a little bit later. Um, he's a familiar name, obviously, around here. Uh, we'll talk some trade deadline stuff and and some Shea Weber, interesting Shea Weber, uh, sc- scary news that was on mm-hmm. Twitter for briefly yesterday, and a little bit about the the Predators and uh, their schedule and kind of their playoff picture. And um, we'll go around the league too and talk about a couple other things. So, Anna, the trade deadline's coming up on February 24th, and there's there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of crystal balls that are going to tell you what's going to happen. Look, there's a lot of teams very close in the standings. Uh, the Predators, mm-hmm. in particular, uh, could go one of three ways: they can buy, they can sell, or they can do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do over the next three, four, or five games. It's going to go a long way toward determining, you know, kind of what David Poyle wants to do. Um, look, they have they have some guys that they could unload um, that have some value. Um, Mikael Grand was an interesting one to me. Um, he struggled mightily under Peter Laviolette. And since John Hines has taken over, he's looks like a different player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a guy that I would say before maybe, yeah, maybe they try to get rid of him. Now maybe they keep him. I, Craig Smith's another guy, uh, going to be an unrestricted free agent. It, what what do you see, like if the Predators win the next You know, if they stay in the playoffs, stay within five, six, seven points of the wild card, what do you see them doing? I mean,
1: Mm -hmm. like I kind of wish I could read Poyle's mind right now, but I mean, like the Predators do have like a number of uh, unrestricted free agents coming up that. They can at least be a rental for somebody else. So, you know, they can at least pick up like maybe a draft pick or their own rental. I don't know how much any other player outside the Preds is going to contribute to like Stanley Cup run right now. But I think it'll kind of if Poyle does make any trades or unloads anybody, I think it's going to set the tone for what he the eventual future of this team, because right now, Preds are five points out of a wild card position, but they're, you know, they're not, there's no,
2: they're also closer to last place than first place. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird, weird thing like that. You know what? It's, it's funny. I look at it as I, this trade deadline is not that important for the Predators and here's mm-hmm. why I think why I think because they can't trade for what they need. Yeah. And what they need is their best players to play better I'm talking Ryan Johansson. I'm talking Victor Arvidsson. I'm talking even Matt Duchesne, You know who started off really hot this year and has, has cooled down. They have all these. There's nobody they're going to go out and get who's going to put them over the top to mm-hmm. to to become a playoff team. They have what they need, uh, but what they what they have is not producing. And that's I think you can't trade for that. Yeah. Um,
1: like I think this whole conversation would be different if like. Ryan Ellis was not on injured reserve right now. The only possible person I could even kind of guess that Poyle would even be interested in is probably Sammy Vatnin from uh, the Devils, only because the Preds do have a little bit of a history they have a lot of, trading, of a history. You
2: know? they have a <laughs> lot of a, a lot of a history of training mm-hmm. with them and there's very close relationships there of course the PK Subban was the, was the latest deal mm-hmm. they hired the Devils old coach there's a lot of connections there and you're right they if there's if there's a spot that the predators need help um it's it's on their it's on defense i mean they look the, you got Yannick Weber and and i like Yannick Weber mm-hmm. but he's not he's not a first pairing guy I mean, and he's playing you know and he's playing with Roman Yossi, and with Ellis out for the last month and a half, you know, that's you're, you're right, that's really hurt them. I don't know that Ryan Ellis, even with the season he was having, I don't know that he's enough of a difference maker to mm-hmm. to, to, to make up those five points. Maybe, but the, the thing is, too, is when he comes back, it always takes, when guys are out for this long, and you know, he's still not, I mean, he's relatively close to coming back, but, but it takes these guys a while to mm-hmm. get, get back up to full speed. And they don't have time, the Predators don't have the luxury of time now.
1: I'm a Dallas Stars fan, so I want to apologize personally to everyone who follows the Preds about Corey Perry and Ryan Ellis. I'm yeah, sorry.
2: that was that was a whole weird. Like Corey Perry has obviously has a reputation, and you know I've written about that in the past of mm-hmm. uh, and talked to players about you know the punishment doesn't fit the crime in this case. I think that's a lot. That's a whole other issue that, that we can get into in another podcast. But um, you know Ryan's been back on the ice. He's been skating. He's been practicing. He traveled with the team on their long trip, you know, to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, the concussion thing is is a touchy subject with the NHL. And you know, I, I actually asked Gary Bettman uh, and Bill Daly about about that hit and about the punishment. And you know, they hem hawed around and, and didn't really give me a straight answer. But I basically said to them, you know, do you do you think it's fair? And they obviously aren't going to say this is what we cl- collectively bargained and blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. But um, speaking of collectively bargained, um, Shea Weber. So, tell me about the Shea Weber Twitter freakout yesterday.
1: So it was. We can all blame this on Nick Kiprios. Sorry, Nick Kiprios, if you're listening.
2: <laughs> well, he did it to himself.
1: Yeah, um, because Shea Weber he unfortunately injured his ankle in the last game, and probably less than 24 hours after it happened. Twitter – oh, hockey Twitter, I love you – starts freaking out about how Shea Weber, about the him being 34, you know, this is the end of his career. They make it sound like he'll never walk again or he's going to lose his leg.
2: Somebody actually reported on Twitter that this could be career-threatening, mm-hmm. which has ramifications for the Predators yeah. because of the collective bargaining agreement and Shea Weber's contract and should he retire for any reason – the predators will be on the hook for a lot of money, theoretically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and cap recapture or whatever the heck lingo it is. Something like five, six million dollars a year cap hit for the next fifty years or whatever it is. <laughs> um but something that could cripple f- that could cripple the franchise it should it be enforced. Um
1: Yeah, I, I think they would owe like a little less than seven million dollars a year. I know for like the next four years if he retires and um, the Canadians have to pick up a chunk of that money. But if Shea Weber decides to retire when he's 40, so six years from now, Pred's got like a $24 million bill coming their way. I mean, if the NHL would actually charge him that because they decided to sign him to a terrible, terrible front-loaded deal. Um, God, how many years ago was that? Well, the,
2: see, that's, <laughs> that's in the era of all those guys, like the, the Marion Hosas and, mm-hmm. and all you know, the, the contracts that were just silly that you know, the, the teams stopped stopped doling out um but it was po- i mean you know Poyle basically mortgaged the future mm-hmm. you know not only did he trade you know shea weber for suban but pk is gone now shea has had nothing but health issues the last three four years and you know i don't know if it's, if it's a huge scare i think it's it's something people like to talk about because mm-hmm. it's 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 it would be amazing if it happened Um, But I don't know if that's really realistic. I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know if you can get around those rules or or not. I can't imagine that the NHL would enforce that fully. I mean, because like I said, that could cripple the Predators Mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. And and I don't think that's not good for the NHL.
1: Yeah. um, But, you know, uh, the Canadians came out and said on Twitter that – Shea Weber is only going to be out for like four, four to six, six weeks, yeah. which sounds normal for an ankle injury. So if anyone's worried,
2: yeah, he's don't not be. dead. He, <laughs> despite Twitter reports, he is not dead.
1: He'll he'll still be able to to walk around. And if not, you know, maybe you'll see like beers at Bridgestone be like thirty dollars a
2: piece. <laughs> well, here's the other thing too: is there, there's always a long term injured reserve, which which you know I can't imagine that he. I can't imagine any play, but you know, Shea gets hurt, and then you just you know what? I'm just going to retire now. Like that's usually not how it works. Mm-hmm. Marion Hossa was on long term injury reserve for years, um, you know, with with the with the Blackhawks, and he got traded to the I think the Coyotes. Who I don't even know how all that stuff worked. Coyotes just was like a dumping ground for every team in the NHL it used to be. Um, so, yeah, I just I can't see it being enforced. But it is fun to talk about. It's fun to imagine, like, mm-hmm. wow, what would their cap situation look like? Can you imagine Shea Weber? You go to, like, capfriendly.com and look, at oh, there's Shea Weber listed under the Predators for the next five years at $7 million a year or whatever.
1: <laughs> the highest paid player who's not actually on your ice.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be, uh, that would be interesting. <laughs> be um, speaking of Shea, uh, not a great segue, but a segue nonetheless, <laughs> um, talk to – talked to Barry Trotz who's a familiar name around here this morning uh after his team his Islanders uh had their morning skate and he talked a little bit about uh uh talking to John Hines um giving him some real estate advice and talking just about you know the Predators as an organization what it's like to coach here so let's hear let hear what uh, Barry had to say I want to start with uh the loss of Casey Zizigas for a couple of weeks and, and what that means for your team.
0: Well, obviously, uh, you know, we, Casey's a big part of what we do. Uh, it gives us a lot of identity. And, you know, Casey went out early in the year, and, and we just, the next man up. And uh, Cole bardrow is going to, you know, go in that spot today. And uh, I expect the same thing that he did last time. Give us the, uh, you know, the, the same qualities that make Casey exceptional in terms of you know he plays with that energy. He plays with passion. Good on faceoffs. Uh, kills penalties and and is a, a pain in the butt to play against. So um, that's what we're hoping. And the next man up mentality. We have some some uh, important people in, in our that are on the shelf right now. And, and now the important people are on the ice. The guys that have to step up. So um, there's great opportunities from. For a lot of guys to get ice time and, and make a statement down the stretch when the games are the hardest.
1: In your time as a coach, what have you seen as a good recipe for a player that has had an opportunity, gone down maybe a little bit older, and then gets a chance to come back up?
0: What is the recipe for success? You well, know, I think what happens with, uh, with the players, they, they, they come up and they have a little bit of success, and then they go, well, what more can I have? What more can I do? What more? And just be really good in that role that you're put in. Be exceptional. Be the best at that role that you're in. And then what will happen, it will give you that longevity, and then you'll get more things on your plate. Don't get too anxious to say, I can do more, I can do more. When, you know, uh, uh, like a guy like Cole, I expect him to kill penalties. I expect him to be great on draws. I expect him to have energy every night and be hard to play against. That's it. And then if he does that for a long time, then I'm going to give him more. And 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 that's what players do. They they always think, well, I want more, I want more, and they get a little impatient and they forget what they're really good at. And that's my best advice to any young player that comes up: is know what you are, do it well, do your role well, and do it consistently. At the at a, at a peak performance, and you'll have success, and you'll get longevity in this league, and that's what you want in this league is longevity.
1: One thing we know that uh, Ryan Pollock does very well is that famous shot of his. What was going through your mind as the time is ticking down, and and seeing that, and and just what that's meant to his game and, and to your team's overall
0: game? Well, in that game, obviously, we uh, you know I, I thought we were a little fatigued, in the we came out great, had a great start. Second period, we got off. Uh, you know, on our heels a little bit. Uh, they got back in the game. Obviously, they scored a uh, uh, six-on-five goal, and you're just hoping, okay, let's not, let's just get another point. But I, I love their mentality. We said, you know, we get an opportunity, let's go get it. uh, Barzy, uh and lezy and, and Epps got it in the zone. They started making, moving their feet. Uh, uh, pulley got open, and then obviously he was able to have some time to let the shot go so uh, that was huge for us you know you go from a situation where you know you're trying to get a point or make sure you make sure you secure a point and then maybe get another point point. Uh, uh, and any the other team you know that's chasing you in Philadelphia in that case you know they you maybe could gain a point but they might gain a point point on you. they got nothing we got two and that was huge and that might be the difference from us making the playoffs or us finishing ahead of them you don't know but uh that was a big moment for us, and a really good, finish, good response. Uh, because uh, you know, we have to be resilient through this this last stretch with the people that we have out and we've got to win hockey games and find ways to do it. You you always talk about wanting predictability in the lineup or throughout the lineup. Was that a big consideration in, in wanting Cole up instead of say maybe you know not a auto well, uh, auto, yeah, no, yeah. no question. Uh, I think it was. When you asked me the other day, you know, what were we considering in terms of uh, options? And those are the things that we're, you know, let's state of that identity. That line's been really good. I think Leo's gone in and done a great job for for, for clutter. Uh, Marty continues to do what Marty does. And then that's, the, you know, Cole's the closest to that element, even though... Know, uh, Otto's probably you know, uh, more of an offensive uh, threat and all that. Uh, Cole uh, kills penalties, uh, is a right-handed draw, which we, we haven't had a lot of this year, and uh, just was the best fit. And everything that trumped uh, everything else was uh, the fact that he was playing extremely well and maybe the best player down there at that, that point in time. So I, I think it was an easy decision, but it was, you know, it's, a, it's an important discussion organizationally uh, for us.
2: Without well, you talk about shaking the hands and kissing babies. How special is it always when you come back here?
0: Well, it's great. Um, you know, obviously, I have such great relationships not only with uh, a lot of the training staff and the uh, the video staff, but uh, David gave me an opportunity, and we're we're, we're friends to this day. And and uh, there's so many people that even down here, the the Pete Webbers and the Terry <laughs> Fisk made me laugh over the years, and and uh, great to see uh, one of my favorite guys and, and Brent Peterson. Uh, come down and visit, and Jerry Helper, and, and all the people, and then just being back in Nashville. Nashville is such a great city. I uh, had uh, my, you know, my my family grew up here. It's just sort of like home, and and uh, it's always good to come back and uh, and uh, see people and uh, and get to chat for a few minutes. And this will probably be your first chance to see Heinzie since he took over. Yeah, it, I talked to actually John just uh, this morning. I, uh, do you? I mean, it's sort of a, a small brotherhood of people who've been predators, coaches, or anything yeah. you you relate to him about. the Yeah, we talked about. Uh, he, I just asked him where he's looking uh, to to live, and you know, the Brentwood areas where, my, if you have a young family, it's a really Good spot to go to Brentwood Franklin area. So uh, we're just talking. He just asked you know uh, you know areas to for his family and that. And I tried to express how great this organization is to, to work with and the people that are here in the community and, and uh, you know some of the schools. And uh, I actually probably talked to John a little bit more today than I have uh, right. you know when he's in New Jersey because we come in and and uh, we don't really sort of mix and mingle a whole lot. To, Rangers, Devils, Islanders don't we don't mix and mingle, but (laughs) now he's on the other side, so now we can mix and mingle a little bit.
2: How has the team changed under him, Barry, X's and O's wise?
0: Well, I think he's putting his stamp on. It's going to take some time, and and uh, you know, I think they're probably a little more calculating in terms of uh, with their defense. They were very, um, I'll say, a lot of pinch in their game uh, before, and a lot of risk reward, I guess he's sort of got a, a little more balance there. So that's probably the biggest thing. And some of the details in terms of their tracking protocols and and their D-zone coverage are a little bit different than uh, than uh, before. But, uh, you know, very similar to some of the, the, the Jersey things. And they've kept a couple of things that were uh, distinctly, uh, I would say, Nashville traits. And uh, he's just got a, a good blend. I think he's done a, uh, an excellent job in terms of, you know, bringing a group together that uh, under sort of stressful conditions with with the chains and, and, and it happened on the fly. So that's not a, very easy. It's a little easier coming in a training camp I know that. Gary you had Mercy early on in his career. Obviously, he's having a great year. What have you kind of seen from afar in terms of his progression? Well, I, I mean, I've I've been very blessed. I've I've been able to coach uh, uh, the two to, my, to me the two front runners for the. For the best defenseman in the league, and that's Carlson and and Yos. And, and uh, I don't see uh, uh, Roman as much because of uh, the time. You guys play out west. I'm usually in bed by then. Uh, but Yos has been, I mean, the most dynamic guy, especially on the back end. Uh, John is uh, is one of those guys that really compliments and jumps in at the right time. Yossi can lead more rushes than than John uh, does. Their, their games. Similar but different. They're very intelligent. They got big shots. Um, They can defend very well and uh, play big, huge minutes in important situations. So, uh, to me, they're they're the the two clear cut guys right now. And uh, um, you know, Roman has continued to be the player that we thought he would be when he was when he was down in Milwaukee and learning his trait and then coming up and you know, sort of replacing uh, Ryan Suter in that role with Lachey Weber, and he's. To me, he's uh, uh, as good a defenseman on the ice, and uh, maybe a better, uh, maybe a better person off the ice, which makes him a perfect fit for, for being a National Predator. Those are the traits that, when I was here, you he wanted to have good players and good people, and we uh, were part of the community. And he's uh, uh, guys like him and Peck are exceptional examples of, I'll say, the, the foundation that we wanted to to have here. And it started with, you know. Yeah, the Tommy Fitzgerald from day one, and then it, it worked up to the Shea Weber's, and now it's the torches passed on to you know Pekka and uh, and and Yost. So uh, it's really nice to see those those young men become great leaders.
2: And as always, entertaining. I, I wish I could have covered Barry when he was here. I I had a similar uh, experience covering Joe Madden when he was the manager of the Cubs. Um, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth, but it's always going to be entertaining and it's, and it's usually going to be pretty honest. So uh, it was good to, I, w- I would say catch up with him, but it was good to see him. I always enjoy talking with him when I covered other teams in the league too. So um, so th- let's get back down to business, the Predators um, schedule coming up here. What uh, The Islanders, the tough team, but more important games on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, they're all important, mm-hmm. but... You know, we can. You know, by the time this airs Thursday, will already be done. But Saturday and Sunday, I mean, you got the Blues' division rival four point swing games. The,
1: the Blues are, you know, happily, very happily sitting at the top of the Central Division right now. So, I mean, if they're the Preds are in no way able to get into their spot, but every win counts at this point. Five points out of wild card spot for the Predators um, against a division rival. Uh, what the blues are down a man, unfortunately. Um, as probably most people have seen, um, Jay Beamer is out for the foreseeable future after what could only be that, a
2: cardiac incident on the bench. Yeah, he collapsed on the bench yeah, during he, the game. Yeah, he collapsed
1: on the bench, and I don't know if they exactly said what caused it, but
2: um, I read somewhere that it was a cardiac something to, something to do with a cardiac condition. Um, certainly scary. Yeah. Um, hard it, to watch and when you see the when you watch the video you see the panic in the in his teammates mm-hmm. when they're trying to call somebody over to help i mean it's you know it kind of again you know it gives you some perspective i mean it's just you know this is just a game we're talking about and this is you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: this is a human being and i'm am assuming a father and a husband and a and a son and you know Uh, to see that happen to anybody is scary but to see it happen in that kind of a stage is usually you know it's, it's, it's pretty striking
1: yeah and especially since you know like these guys are like in peak physical condition to see something like that that you would never expect with someone who has probably like only 2% body fat just suddenly collapse is really frightening. And it really made me think of, um, what year was, it? I think it was like 2014 when Rich Peverly, um, had a similar incident while he was playing for the stars. He also collapsed on the bench because of a heart related issue. And unfortunately he never played again. He does help, um, coach with the Texas stars or AHL team. So Whatever happens to J. Bell I wish him the best, but, and I hope he does have the chance, you know, to step on the ice again, but there's definitely a potential um, future in hockey for him, regardless. And I think most recent reports said that he is recovering just fine, so, but. Yeah,
2: the, uh, you, you know, you, we, we joke around about the, about, you know, the Shea Weber stuff, but this, you know, when this, you watch, you, you mentioned hockey Twitter, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's, look, I, I I'm gonna say it right now. I hate Twitter. Like, I'm only <laughs> on it because I have to be on it. I like interacting with people. Yeah. But it's 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 like sifting through a garbage dump every day to me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's just so much ugliness on there. So, but but, in, in times like these, when 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 Bo Meester went down, you still, you know, I follow all the NHL accounts and you know a lot of fans and players mm-hmm. and stuff, and a lot of people, you know, instantly. You know, we're, we're, you know, sending their, their condolences and their hopes and their prayers or whatever, you know, whatever you believe in. Um, you know, it, it is it really is a, an interesting, small community. Um, you know, there's rivalries within it, of course, but it, it's, it's the way everybody kind of just rally comes together and rallies around something like that. And, and, you know, in a time like that is that's when it's neat to be on Twitter. But other than that um, and, and interacting with readers and I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like the, the back and forth of the banner, but, you know, it's just. Like I guess say there's there's so much ugliness on social media oh, yeah. that uh, you know I, I I tend to stay away from it unless I'm working because I feel like you know it's part of my job. But personally, I I, like, I don't have a lot of love for it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know, from a personal standpoint. But uh, uh, professionally, I, it's it's fine. And like you see stuff like that happen, and, and you know it's it's nice to see people come together,
1: yeah, it's nice to see the hockey community rally around itself every once in a while, but anyways, on to happier topics in the league, uh, do you think Ovechkin is gonna get his uh, admission into the seven hundred club tonight? He is two goals away. I yeah. never
2: doubt anything that 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 kind of can do anything <laughs> i mean he's well he's thirty 30- 334 years old and oh, he's yeah. still he's still going at it like he's still one of the best players in the league. you know how hard that is to do the game has changed so much in the last f- even 5 years I mean, mm-hmm. it's gotten so much faster and and and, and the pay, and you know the style of play and, and this guy just keeps you know he's like the the, he stands the test of time like he's like a flannel shirt right like he just he, he's never going to go out of style he's always going to be you know you can always wear it and get away with it and he's just he's amazing to watch you know i, I the mcdavid's my favorite player to watch i think he's the most exciting player to watch mm-hmm. but ovechkin is for different reasons i love watching him play because just because of the, the excitement and the you know just the, the way he plays the game um and, and he has fun doing it and he's so damn good like you know you look at somebody like you know you look at somebody who I look at other writers, and I'm like man I, I like how how can you how can he be so good at something mm-hmm. right and you think you think you're good at your job and then you see somebody like that and you're like I oh to my gosh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no so yeah I, I I wouldn't doubt it I wouldn't doubt if you reach 800 tonight like who knows I oh, thought that
1: would be amazing
2: that would be a record I think
1: well, um, I didn't.
2: I can't. I didn't look it up, but it might be a record. One hundred and two goals in one game might be a record.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, maybe like some game from like the nineteen twenties. <laughs> you know, got up that high, but um, at least in the last in the last three years, that would definitely be a record. But you know what? That's why they say Russian machine never breaks. Uh.
2: That's well. Except <laughs> with, speaking of Russian machines, did you, did you see that <laughs> Yakov Trenin? Uh, knock out Chara when they, a few few weeks ago, so the
1: oh no I didn't.
2: So the yeah, so Chara had just come back from like a, a, a jaw injury or something. He had some, mm-hmm. and, he, and he picked a fight with with Trenton, who is half his size and half his age. And <laughs> Trennan got in a got in, a, and I'm not condoning fighting in hockey. This was just a bizarre thing that happened. Like you just didn't expect these two guys to go at it. And yeah, Yakov got the best of him. But um anyway, yeah, so I I look I I think I, I wanna know I mean are the and it's hard to predict. I just kinda go by feelings, but I mean, are the predators gonna make the playoffs?
1: Hmm.
2: Put you on the spot.
1: <laughs> yeah, you really, really did. I am hoping that they at least sneak into a wild card spot. Um I would really, really love to see you know when it gets really really close and you know it's one of those like battles back and forth between like who gets in with like three games left in the season and you know literally every second on the ice counts um so i'm kind of hoping that you know it's against them and like maybe the abs for maybe that last spot but um
2: yeah you know i hate the i hate shootouts i hate the the way the points system stand in the standings is, is, is works in the NHL uh, mostly because of the way that you know the games are determined. Mm-hmm. Um, we've and we've discussed this on here before. Like I think there should be at least a ten minute overtime before you have a shootout, or why not just you know what what's wrong with a tie? But anyway, the way that it's structured is des- it's designed for this, right? Mm-hmm. It's designed to to you know make it exciting until the end, and that that part of it works, and I'm and I'm okay with that. But I want to know. You mentioned you're you're a Stars fan, so we got the Winter Classic. We had last year's playoff series. We have a little bit of a rivalry developing Mm -hmm. there. Um, What did you uh, What did you make of the Winter Classic? I mean, uh, did you did you watch it? What did you think of it? And how what uh, were your allegiances?
1: I absolutely love the Winter Classic. I am still very disappointed that I actually did not get to go in person because I actually love Dallas as a city. (laughs) But um, uh, seeing it on TV was just simply amazing, the Cotton Bowl. And I think it's one of those things a lot of people did not think. That's like, oh, two Southern teams playing hockey outside? That's insane. But, um, I mean, it was... Awesome to see the energy. I mean, it would have been cool to, you know, have seen it snow, like, you know, when they played in basically everywhere else that is not Texas for outdoor games. But, um, you know, even if it wasn't the one that was most um, viewed on television, at least people got to see, like, the kind of energy that fans both, here in nashville and in texas bring to the game and um asides from Corey perry i'm sorry y'all i actually hate saying his name he's a terrible person <laughs> i don't you know,
2: I, I i've heard and I, and I haven't had a chance to talk to ryan about mm-hmm. about it yet and you know circling back to that i i, I cory did say that he talked to ryan i don't know mm-hmm. when or what the circumstances were i have also heard very good things about Corey perry off the ice like i heard he's a really great guy but man you just can't you just can't do that. I mean, it, it, that had a that has had a big impact on the Predators' season, mm-hmm. and now they find themselves, you know, really having to scratch and claw with a new coach, learning a new system, um, you know, learning how he wants to run things. And look, I don't know if it's. I, I think the the Predators. Very well, could make the playoffs, but it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. I don't think it's a big deal if they don't, because I don't. I think it's going to be hard for them to get past the first round. I understand, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about getting hot at the right time. and I know what they did in 2017, and I, but this has a different kind of a feel to it. And I don't think. I mean, John Hines is not a. He's not an interim coach. He's under contract for for a few more years. This at the very and I asked him about his aspirations. You know, everybody wants to win the Stanley Cup. And he said, "I just want." Mm-hmm to 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 fix things little by little and make progress, right? And I think if they if they if they concentrate on that, whether or not they go to the playoffs is is immaterial this season. I think what's important is getting to a point where they go into camp next year as a real threat, mm-hmm. and that's going to take this time you know t- time twenty seven or whatever games are left this season, and then having a training camp next season, and then you know kind of having a roster. You know, people know, guys know their position. He's Mm -hmm. he's feeling guys around. He's putting Kyle Turris on the wing. He's playing, you know, he's he's been cut way down on Johansson's minutes and Arvidsson's minutes and Forsberg's minutes and Duchesne's minutes, like these superstars. The guys are supposed to be your stars. Uh, He's not afraid to sit them. So he's kind of building the foundation now. And, you know, look, if they make the playoffs, great. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world they don't because I think what's more important is – thinking long term and, and trying to kind of build up the right kind of a of a you know culture that he wants to build so that going into next year and going full full steam ahead.
1: Yeah. Um I mean when John Hines was brought on everyone was like, oh he's Poil's guy, he's Poil's guy. So like even if the predators do absolutely nothing at this trade deadline, it's just gonna be super interesting to see if John Hines is going to have any um long term influence on like if anyone like who who stays on the team in terms of like UFA's, um, if they who they pick up um, during the next draft, or if they don't pick anyone up and trade their picks away, you know, just like his long term influence, and it's never a bad thing. I mean, fans are totally going to disagree with me. It's never a bad thing to miss the playoffs for one uh, one well, season. I mean,
2: what is what is it? What is? I, I get it, but like. I don't get it. I'm with you. Like if you if you are having a a bad season mm-hmm. or you don't make the playoffs, like you need to work you need to at least work on getting better for the next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and this is not a continue, you know, make sure that trend doesn't continue. That's more important than making it to the playoffs and losing in the first round, you know, in, in four or five games. I mean, I don't I don't know what satisfaction Like, I don't know if fans are very... And Predators fans have gotten to the point now where they have expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Like, just getting those playoffs isn't enough for them. Like, Mm -hmm. they feel like they should be better. And that's what you want in your fan base. Um, And if you don't build on getting better... and, 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 you know, people understand that yeah, if we miss the playoffs, it feels like a failure. And it is a failure. But sometimes getting to the playoffs and losing in the first round, that's a failure too. Yeah, And I think it's a bigger failure to not prepare for the long term. So like making the playoffs this year, and then, okay, well, we made the playoffs, so what do we – no, this, and we don't need – as I keep going back to, what the Predators need, you can't trade for. And that's they need mm-hmm. their top paid players to perform like their top paid players. And that is – it's as simple and cut and dry as that. Like that is what they need. And you're not going to get that – you can't trade for that. So
1: if any Predators feels fans feel bad about the potential of not making the playoffs, just remember the Predators are not the Edmonton Oilers. We did not have one of the best players in the league and did not make the playoffs for
2: Two of the best players in the <laughs> oh, league yeah. actually. I mean, <laughs> but it goes to show you that it's a lot, it's about a lot more than that. So mm-hmm. um, any uh anything else you want to share about us that you that we should know about you that uh cuz we're going to be talking a lot in in the coming weeks through the end of the season and uh I just, you know, kind of want to give you the the floor for a minute, and you can kind of wrap it up here, and we can uh, we can get get on with our days here.
1: Okay. Um, well, I'm very happy to be invited onto the show. Thank you so much. We're happy all. to have you. Um, and as I've said, I'm a huge Dallas Stars fan. I'm originally from Texas, but I'm a Tennessean by choice, and I love living in a city with a professional team. And. Um, even though <laughs> some people in the room are not huge Twitter fans, unfortunately, I'm on it like 24-7. So if you want to follow my Twitter hot takes, um, I'm Anna, A-N-N-A underscore um, Gallegos, G-A-L-L-E-G-O-S.
2: And remember that that's, well, first of all, remember to subscribe to this podcast you can do that on itunes google play or wherever you as you get your podcasts if you don't already subscribe uh, drop us a review and a rating while you're at it Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of catfish corner for anna i'm paul and we will talk to you next time
1: bye